Welcome to Preheated, kitchen wisdom and friendly chat from two friends who love to bake. In London, I'm Stefan Cohn. And from Olympia, Washington, I'm Andrea Ballard. Every week we celebrate the successes, failures, learning and laughs that go hand in hand with baking for those we love. Today, we're wrapping up our birthday and anniversary month with a walk down memory lane to discuss memorable birthday treats. We'll also talk about our favorite birthday cakes, and I'll introduce you to international dessert guru Kate Brubaker. So put the kettle on and get ready for some sweet talk. Stefan, I am hot off a great evening with my cookbook club, and I would love to tell you all about it. Oh, can't wait. Yes. So I've mentioned this on the show before. Our local bookstore, Browser's Books in downtown Olympia, is kind enough to host a quarterly cookbook club. And so the owner of the store, who is also named Andrea, she selects a cookbook, and we all purchase that book and then cook items from the book and bring them to the cookbook club. So this time we had about 20 people, right. and the cookbook was Smitten Kitchen Every Day, which I talked about a little bit last week on episode 52. Right. And the great thing about cookbook club for me is that I immediately get to try multiple items from one cookbook, and so then I know what I want to go back and start making right away. Yeah. And I'll... I'll skip all of the excitement around the um, appetizers and salads and entrees, which were all fabulous, and jump straight into desserts. So we had um, two people made the olive oil shortbread with rosemary and chocolate chunks. (laughs) Yes, please. That was a fascinating dessert. I have never had a dessert with rosemary in it. And it is a dominant flavor. So both the people that made it, we usually try not to have duplications, but they were very different because one of the people who made the dessert um, did it uh, with, I believe it was gluten-free. She used spelt. Mm. And so it had a different texture. And she also used that sugar. I'm not going to pronounce it right. I think it's called Demerara or... Demerara. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And so it had, I thought it had a real crunch to it. So they tasted very different, but the rosemary flavor was definitely pronounced in both of them. And what I liked about that is I don't think this is a dish you could overeat because Mm. it's just such a unique flavor and it's so intense. Uh, It's just like, I don't know. It was like nothing I'd ever had. So that was fabulous. We had a chocolate pecan slab pie, which was both... Delicious and gorgeous. And I love a slab pie. I just think there's so much fun to bring to a party or something. And everyone gets a piece of pie and you don't have to worry about, you know, cutting those tiny little slivers. Yes. We had a marble bundt cake, which was delicious. The person who made it was a little bit disappointed because um, in the center, there was supposed to be this white, swirly, white chocolate piece, and hers disappeared. Mm -hmm. So she followed the recipe as designed and, you know, did it exactly as instructed. And then when she cut into the cake, the white, swirly part was gone. So that is, yeah. yeah. But it still tasted fabulous. Um, But then my favorite of the evening was the Danish rice pudding with cherry black pepper sauce. And 
The reason I really wanted to bring this one up is I think this would be such a fabulous dessert for the holidays because the rice pudding was very, very white, um, very different from the rice pudding we made back in, oh, I think it was March of 2017 when we had our yeah. um, puddings and custard month. Yes. And um, this one was very white, largely because of the heavy amount of heavy whipping cream <laughs> involved. <laughs> and mm. so it was just, you know, it was just snow white. And then with those sour cherries on top, the bright red, it was just so festive and beautiful um I mean you'll probably not be shocked to know that I was able to force myself to taste all of these desserts at this dinner um I bought I brought cupcakes so I made the spice cake with pumpkin and then I made a vanilla butterscotch frosting and um yeah it, it was just such a fun evening and I'm super excited about all of those desserts and so I am definitely giving a big recommendation to the Smitten Kitchen Everyday Cookbook if you follow her on Facebook if you like Deb Perlman if you follow her um, food blog, Smitten Kitchen, I think you'll really enjoy the cookbook as well. It's got some great stuff in it. Yeah, you're my second, I think, second or third friend who does a cookbook club. And I really like this idea. We've talked about it in the past as well. But it, it's, as you say, it's a really great way to get a flavor for a cookbook right away. I mean, it would take you, what, like at least a few months of kind of nonstop baking to see sure. all of, of those recipes. But here, you have them all put out before you and then you can know what you're going to follow up on yeah you know sooner than later so I love that idea and I think the really fun part about it too is that people pick things that I would not have picked to make first right and so, right um you know I don't know if I ever would have made the olive oil shortbread with rosemary like it's just yeah, yeah. you know I, I would have been intrigued by it but I don't know that I would have made it I probably yeah. would not have made the rice pudding and that ended up being my absolute favorite thing yeah Totally. Exactly. Um, another another thing that was really fun about that night is I met a local baker who has a um, bread club. So you've probably heard of the the vegetable sort of subscription clubs. Sure. Right. Um, you know, where people can pay a set amount and, and get their vegetable box every week. Well, she does that for bread. And so I was looking at her Instagram feed. Uh, her name is Meg, and it's um, the Folk Art Bread feed. And she had a picture of a chocolate peanut butter ice book ice box cake that also came from this cookbook and I happened to look at it on um, the day before I was going to have some people over so I was like oh my gosh could you please make this for me and she did and I have to tell you that got rave reviews as well I just I mean chocolate peanut butter ice box cake it just sounds uh, Mm -hmm. perfect oh yeah yeah, it was amazing. And again, it looks really difficult. Now, mm. I, of course, have not made it, so I can't speak to its difficulty um, because it has seven layers. And mm. you would kind of think to yourself, oh, my gosh, seven layers. And you're baking each individual layer. It's not like one cake that you cut into seven layers. Um, but I'm really intrigued now to try it because it was so delicious. It also, um, it was made in a smaller pan. It was made in, um, or not the pan, but when you bake the layers, you just use a template. And it's a seven inch and so it was really interesting to have a seven inch cake I had 12 people over and I remember thinking to myself oh this isn't really going to be enough Mm -hmm. but it was actually quite perfect to have just kind of a small taste of dessert you know usually after dinner you're somewhat 
stressful for many people. Right. And so I, I actually thought it worked out really well. So I love that it was something um, sort of decadent and rich, but you really only needed kind of a bite of it. And it turned out really, really perfectly. And did it look very pretty? Like, did it have like the layers of the kind of maybe like a peanut buttery brownish and then a darker yes. brownish? And oh, yeah. Yes. It was so, so pretty. That's mm-hmm. awesome. Oh, yeah. What a um, kind of dangerous service to know about, though, right? Your <laughs> your your weekly bread deliveries. <laughs> what what is the name of those clubs? I'm I'm spacing out on it right now. The um C O C S A. Yeah, Co- yeah. Community, community supported. Community supported, supported agriculture, right? Right, and right. so she's CSB, community supported bread, <laughs> and I feel she should start CSC, community supported cake. I love so. it. I think that should be on a T-shirt, community supported cake. Or yes, I love it. Um, well, Andrea, this week I discovered something new, and uh, back in episode fifty-one, you were saying, "Oh, you know, I just discovered I could bring eggs to room temperature uh, with a bowl of of warm water, and I can't believe I didn't know this." and So here's something I didn't know uh, about cleaning a stainless steel sink. Do you have a stainless steel sink? I don't. I have the white ceramic sink, so. Exactly. So that's what I had in Seattle. I have never had a stainless steel sink before. And it's... Uh, in London, we have very hard water. Mm. So in addition to just kind of getting grimy, you get a buildup of something called um, lime or scale. And it just looks like a little um, really bad case of like, uh, you know, the stuff on your shower. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm, I'm scrubbing at this and I'm thinking, what? what am I not getting? Why can't I get this sink? clean. Mm-hmm. And so I did a little research and I'm not a big huge chemical person. I will use chemical cleaners if I need to, but I came across a recommendation to use a paste made of baking soda. Oh, and okay. I sprinkled it on so I cleaned out the sink of, you know, any food debris, anything like that. So it's it's very clean and I sprinkled it on in a pretty thick layer. Okay. And I waited about 10 minutes and I was feeling I have to say I was feeling very skeptical. I just thought, nope, like mm-hmm. I just don't think so. It looks like a brand new sink. It is, <laughs> it is gorgeous. It worked. I I mean, it was ten minutes. It wasn't a ton of elbow grease. It whatever chemical reaction was happening there, perfect. So, to all folks out there who have a stainless steel sink, you might want to try a little patch test first if you're not sure what your sink is made of. But this worked a charm, and you know, so non toxic, so. You know, you have that on hand so fast, so easy. I I have to recommend it. So well, you'll be happy to know that this also works on white ceramic sinks. So we are on a septic system, which means we yeah. are not supposed to use bleach cleaners. And so okay. I think back in Seattle, if I had a white sink, I probably just would have used a bleach cleaner. But here I had to figure something else out. And okay. the baking soda works fabulously on white ceramic as well. So it's this, an all-purpose thing. This is so great to know. I know, and it kind of freshens up your drain too. So ah, mm. I know. Love it. Mm. Exciting. On to cakes, more exciting things. So last week we discussed how fabulous and wonderful your chocolate stout cake was, and I was lucky enough to taste that. Um, One thing you kindly didn't mention was that I think I had it three days in a row. (laughs) (laughs) 
you you did occasionally leave me alone in your house with instructions <laughs> that I could have some if I wanted. And in fact, wasn't there a night where I didn't feed your children dinner and we just had cake? <laughs> Am I imagining that? I'm. I was just going to bring that up. I was like, and then you so kindly babysat that one night, so uh, my husband and I could go out. And I believe you guys had. Um, like next to nothing for dinner, but then I'll have big pieces of cake. So yeah, that's yeah. perfectly mm-hmm. fine. Yeah, you're like there. By the way, you're their favorite babysitter of well, all time. Big, so <laughs> big surprise, uh, given the okay. nutritional value of my evening. So, um, but I will share with you the results from my party cake builder that I talked about in episode 52, and again from the same cookbook. Goodness, it sounds like I'm just shilling her cookbook left and right, but it is so good. Um, so as I mentioned last week, she has sort of a template where there's four different cakes and four different frostings and then you can mix and match as you please so um under the cake she has spice coconut chocolate and vanilla and i have now made the spice and the chocolate and the vanilla and in the spice i've made two different variations so one thing i really like about her spice spice cake recipe is one of the ingredients is three quarters of a cup of either applesauce or pumpkin puree or mashed bananas, or grated carrots, or I mean, you know, that's the end of her list, but I think you could just go on. I mean, I think I was even thinking I might try it with grated beets, because as you know from my baking horoscope, I (laughs) love some root vegetables, so, and I think it would make a lovely color. So anyway, um, I did it with uh, pumpkin, and I've also done it with the banana. Both of them turned out really well, and then um, on the pumpkin spice cake, I made the cupcakes, and then I did a vanilla frosting and I threw in some melted butterscotch chips and I thought that turned out really well. Sounds great. On the banana spice cake I made it in the eight by eight pan and I used the coconut frosting and sort of cut them up into what I um, think of as our snacking cake. Do you remember back I think it was way Mm -hmm. way Mm -hmm. back on episode four we made that chocolate snacking cake. Cold chocolate snacking cake yes. Mm -hmm. So I think of this as my cold banana coconut snacking cake. (laughs) You should have various options when it comes to cold uh, snacking cake I feel. I think so. I think so. So that was a winner. But my um, final big winner for my favorite birthday cake, because really I feel November is to be celebrated my birthday all month Mm, long. mm -hmm, So I had numerous opportunities. And that was the chocolate fudge cake with the vanilla buttercream frosting. And the chocolate fudge cake has some buttermilk in it. Mm -hmm. And I just love a cake with buttermilk. I think it just adds a little bit of a tang or something that you don't otherwise get. And I think it's so good and then um buttercream frosting i mean we've already discussed my preference and i'm all forever and ever on team buttercream i just think it's the best thing in the world so that's my final cake entry um and the one i'm sticking my two thumbs up on is the fudgy chocolate cake and the vanilla buttercream frosting you just have so many good ones to choose from it sounds like such a great cookbook yeah (laughs) yeah so many options so many options so remember, um, we will have links to those recipes. Mine was the chocolate stout cake from originally from Bon Appetit magazine, but now available on Epicurious.com. And Andrea's was the Deb Perlman Smitten Kitchen. And Andrea, that will be on her website, I'm assuming, but also on ours, uh, preheatedpodcast.com, or on our Facebook and also Pinterest pages. So you can look there. And if you've got birthdays coming up or just really want to treat yourself, give them a try. Yep. Well, we wanted to talk about some memorable birthday treats that we didn't get to. This seems like so melancholy, right? Like, eh, 
there's always those those treats like you you never you never got like always the cool kid at the party had the had that birthday cake and for me I have to say I always wanted that cake that was the doll's dress and then it had the real like faux Barbie doll sticking up out of the top and then you know what I'm talking about I think they still sell those craft kits for the doll the doll cake well you are younger than I am so that definitely was not a thing when I was a kid growing up okay but certainly when my daughter was about princess age five six seven we went to a lot of parties that had a doll cake and so I did I didn't attempt to make it but I did purchase one of those for one of her birthdays and that was a huge hit so I have to ask you do the legs come attached to the doll as well (laughs) Or is it torso only? So the one that I bought, yeah, the one that I bought um, did have the legs went all the way down, but they were sort of encased in um, some type of cylinder. Mm. So you really could completely remove the doll because I think the doll is meant to be kind of a keepsake for the birthday child as well. I see. And so you could remove the doll and then just cut the cake. Got it. Okay. Had always wanted mm-hmm. to know. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, birthdays still to come. Perhaps I'll get lucky one day and get that doll, that doll cake. It's, right? It's never too late for a doll oh, cake no. as, far as, as far as I'm concerned. Um, well, my um, wished for birthday treat, did you have a Swenson's ice cream store when you were growing up? I don't. I don't know that one, no. Okay. I think it might be a Southern thing. So Swenson's, um, when we would go to Swenson's on a normal day, as kids, we could get, you know, one scoop of ice cream either in a cup or on a cone. That that was our choice. Okay. And then on our birthday, we could get a hot fudge sundae. And, you know, that was a big deal. But, of course, what I wanted was something that now, now looking back on it, I think is so grotesque. But as a kid, <laughs> I wanted it so desperately. I think it was called the Matterhorn. Oh. And it was this enormous bowl of pretty much one scoop of every kind of ice cream that they had. So I think it was, oh. you know, like maybe 16 <laughs> scoops of ice cream. And if you ate it all, did they give it to you for free? Was it one of those? <laughs> I, you know, who knows? I mean, I think what happened was, of course, there was probably some sort of poster advertising it. So, you know, there was always just this like, yeah. oh, my gosh, I want this. And then I think one time I actually saw it come out and come to a table where a kid was having a birthday party and you know at which point everyone dives in and that's why now I'm kind of like oh you know oh it's a community kind of dessert (laughs) gross thank you (laughs) yeah um so I don't know I'm gonna have to look up and see if they still serve this I'm sure now they probably if they do everyone then just takes a scoop and maybe eats it on their own I'm not sure but yeah as a kid oh the Matterhorn I wanted it so much well it does seem like you could maybe recreate your own more hygienic Matterhorn by just buying you know uh, buying out the shelf of like the Ben and Jerry's (laughs) or the Haagen-Dazs and just having a scoop that sounds pretty nice (laughs) Oh my gosh. I probably could. I'm not sure it would be the wisest thing, but yeah, yeah. It it would be interesting if we could ask our children now, like, what is it that you want that 
that you know you can't have? Because in my mind, I think, oh, I've never said no really to any kind of special birthday treat. But there probably is something disgusting that my daughter has asked for that I've just instinctively said, like, no, I'm not going to make you, you know, a Sour Patch Kid mm, ice cream yeah, cake right, or, so, right. you know, something that like has has really called to her that I've been like, eh, no, I'm not doing that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I... That's a really good question. I um one of my most memorable birthday cakes was when I turned 21 and I happened to be in Branson, Missouri, and it was a purchased cake from like a local grocery store, but it was such a surprise. I was um with my dear friend Leanne and her family and they always went down to uh Branson, which is if you don't know Branson, go ahead and just Give that a little Wikipedia. <laughs> it's a place unto itself. Isn't it sort of a Nashville country music-ish? I think it wants to be, yeah. It's, okay. It's beautiful. And that that was always their um, tradition. They would always go down there for Thanksgiving. And so one year I was I was down there with them, and and the, the surprise of it was just so lovely. I still just really remember that cake. And I'm a person who unabashedly really enjoys that kind of frosting that comes on a grocery store cake do you know what I'm talking about yes and I yes, I yes. loved it first of all it was just so thoughtful of that family to have a birthday cake for me but I just I remember that just so so delicious that just grocery mm. store frosting and I think that might be what my kids would say which seems ridiculous like here I am like mm-hmm. making all these homemade things but I wonder if it would be like Right. You never let us get the cake from QFC. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. I mean, grocery store frosting, I, you know, sometimes, in fact, I will volunteer <laughs> and try to pretend that I'm doing it to be helpful to cut, you know, the Costco yeah. cake at yeah. like a big event. Um, but what I'm actually doing is as you're cutting, you know, the frosting starts to build up yes. on the knife. And to get nice clean cuts, you have to scrape that off. So I always grab a little plate and I'm scraping yep. that frosting off onto that little plate. And then when I'm done with my service, I do feel like <laughs> I have this little pile mm. of frosting built up and I just go to town on it. I so, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know what's in there. It's some sort of uh, magic pixie dust, but it's it's good. I don't think you want to know. Mm. Mm-hmm. Probably not. Yeah, just some birthday mm-hmm. magic. That's what that is. So, oh my gosh. Well, moving on to something that um, is much different than grocery store cake, you have an interview with international dessert guru, Kate Brubaker. So let's take a listen and see some of the fabulous items that she has to share with us. Hey, preheaters, let's give a big warm welcome to Kate Brubaker, the founder and editor of International Desserts Blog from the Raleigh area of North Carolina. Kate, thank you so much for joining us. Hi, thank you. It's great to be here. So, Kate, we were introduced via a mutual friend and The minute that Andrea and I took a look at your website, International Desserts Blog, we immediately knew that we had a lot in common and would love you to come chat with our listeners. So maybe you can start by telling us a little bit about yourself and what you are doing on that great website. Sure. Yeah. Well, so I have a huge sweet tooth. (laughs) I always have. (laughs) Yes. And... um, And I, you know, I have a global heart. I, I grew up in the Pacific Northwest in the United States, and then I lived in Germany for a while and kind of went back and forth between the United, different parts of the United States and Germany. And my whole career has been um, in international education. All right. So 
um, when I realized I was going to be living in the States for the foreseeable future, um, I really wanted to have that global connection. And I, I missed exploring different places on a frequent basis. So, um, yeah, so I decided, I thought, hey, maybe I'll start this blog and it gives me a really good excuse to make desserts. And then it's just really fun. So yeah, it's been a great experience so far. Absolutely. And you know, one thing, your website, as, as you just mentioned, it's truly global. They, you cover desserts in, in Europe, but also Central and South America, North America, New Zealand, Australia. Kate, maybe you can talk a little bit. What do you think you see? What are similarities around the world with desserts? And the other side of that coin, what do you think some of the biggest differences are? Yeah, well, you know, I'm I'm the most familiar with European desserts because that's where I've spent my time living abroad, and I've traveled throughout Europe, um, and so I feel like I know those desserts really well. And what I've noticed through my travels in other parts of the world, and then um, and I ask people, I ask my friends who are from other parts of the world, and then I if I meet somebody, I always ask them about desserts in their country, and um, what I found is that. A lot of the European desserts that I really enjoyed are all over the world. So okay. in some form or another. Right. Um, with, yeah, which isn't terribly surprising, but also kind of interesting. So, you know, you see a lot of the same basic ingredients. You know, you take eggs and sugar and flour and butter and milk and, you know, you make all sorts of things. And it's interesting to see the different spins on things. Um, yes. But the differences are also interesting as well. Yes. Um, you know, like when I, I went to a Korean restaurant uh, recently and I ordered dessert uh -huh. and it was really interesting because I was looking at this and I thought, okay, I guess this is dessert. <laughs> I had to really change what I thought dessert was because it was shaved ice and it had sweet red beans, and, oh, yes. you know, and I thought, well, really fascinating. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so the difference is, I would say, in, in some places, what's considered dessert is very different from, or the ingredients that they use is very different. And I find that absolutely fascinating. That's funny that you mentioned the red bean paste. Uh, last June, Andrea and I did a month of ice creams, and we talked about different ice creams around the world. And that red bean paste is, is one that, that we talked about and cropped up. So I think you're right, just having that open mind and and... Uh, that comes through very strongly on your on your website as well. Just, you know what, I'm a citizen of the world and I'm going to try it all. <laughs> so I love that. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, you, you realize you're, you're, um, you're raised with certain ideas about what a birthday cake looks like. And um, I found that interesting, actually, when I went to Germany because I had grown up with a you know, certain type of birthday cake and it looks a certain way and it's very sweet and it has icing all over the top. And when I moved to Germany, um, a lot of, I noticed a lot of the birthday cakes were very different, and and I thought that was so interesting. So were they a different size um, or or flavor? What what was what what did you notice about them being different? Yeah, they were different um, different types of cakes. Like um, you know, in the U.S., we tend to have like one or two layers with the frosting in the middle and the frosting on top and decorations and flowers and the little candles and stuff. And the cakes that I saw in Germany, like the cake that my host family gave me was, it was more like a, um, like a bundt cake. And I think maybe had like some chocolate drizzle on top and there was a candle in the middle. Okay. So I saw a lot more cakes like right, that. Right, right. And um, 
Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. You have a wonderful recipe up right now, which is a German plum cake. And I think to your point that you are working with a lot of the same ingredients, especially in those European desserts, it looked like a cake uh, that I make that's an apple and blackberry uh, cake, but that but that same kind of, you know, a, kind of like a soft, I guess I'd call it like a soft cake, like a, like a sheet pan cake type of a um, thing. Andrea loves one bowl cakes, so that may fit the bill there too. <laughs> but... Um, so, so Kate, what do you see as, as you're doing your travels, um, being here in London now going on five months, uh, you know, the cupcake craze is really big here and that was so huge in the U S you know, what, like five, seven years ago, it's really, really taken off here now. What do you think, uh, that two, two pronged question, what do you see, uh, other cities around the world adopting from the U S and likewise, what do you see making its way back to the U S uh, dessert wise? So, you know, the last time I was in Germany was about five months ago and I noticed, I mean, over the years I've been noticing more and more of this, but I it was so, so clear to me when I was in Germany recently, there are so many things from the United States there now that never used to be okay. there. Like you said, cupcakes, donuts, yes. uh, chocolate chip cookies, brownies, you know, all of these things that I used to miss when I was living in Germany, you can get them in lots of coffee shops and bakeries and, um, you know, so those things are, are pretty common. And there's also, I see recipes on German baking blogs for these types of American okay. things. Um, and in my research, I, I do, I look online a lot to start researching recipes. And something that I've seen a lot online all over the world are these crazy desserts, like the freak shakes, oh. you know, things like that. I see yes. those things popping up all over the place. I never actually see them in real life. I never see anyone actually eating them in real life. But I see them online all the time. Well, actually, there's a restaurant here in London. I have seen them. I have not ordered it. But at least in London, what they consider a freak shake is a milkshake, but then it has alcohol in it. Is that what you've been seeing too? Oh. That's what they're calling Well, actually, I just had one of those recently when I was up in D.C. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we got we got one of those. Um, well, I mean, you know, like uh, online, I see these shakes that are, I mean, they're huge. And then they have all this stuff plastered to the top. So it's like a huge milkshake with whipped cream, with cookies, a slice of cake, and like a piece of pie on oh top of it. Oh my gosh. All right. Way more than just some booze. <laughs> and a donut. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think they just make really good Instagram pictures. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, that's that's right. I think one thing too is is moving here. Uh, the portion sizes are much smaller than we're used to in the U.S. You know, um, yeah. if you go out and you have you know your table of four and and you want to split a dessert, that's usually fairly reasonable. You all get a, get a few bites and. That's um, much a much more meager bite here. Uh, better for the waistline, right. but <laughs> yes, yeah. Um, yeah. You do a lot of of recipes on your on your site, and um, you know, inspired by your travels as well. Do you think that it has gotten easier for uh, cooks to cook internationally with, uh, you know, the prevalence of internet and and uh, international ordering sites? And by that same token, do you have any bricks and mortar places that you love to go to in the states to get uh, more international ingredients? Yeah, I think it's gotten a lot easier. 
Um, I tend to gravitate towards the recipes that don't require very many specialized ingredients, mostly because um, I'll be at home and I just get this urge to make something and I want to make something with the ingredients that I have. Um, But there, you know, when I do want to make something like Belgian waffles with the pearl sugar or, you know, things like that, um, I have found that it's so much easier to get these things. So I tend to look at world market. Sometimes Whole Foods will have things that I'm looking for. Sometimes even Trader Joe's every once in a while. Um, and, you know, I can find things like creme fraiche. Uh, sometimes I can find quark and, you know, some of those dairy yeah. products. But actually, I just make them now. I just make these things at home because they're so easy and a lot less expensive to make. Um, and then if I can't find those things in uh, the stores in my area, I look on Amazon. And, um, yeah, so ha- there hasn't been anything so far that I haven't been able to find. Sometimes it's kind of expensive. But, um, yeah, I've been able to find everything so far. Yeah, I had an issue with chocolate chips here in London a few months back when we first arrived. I really just wanted to make my favorite chocolate chip recipe and chocolate chip cookie recipe. And semi-sweet chocolate is, is, is kind of just dawning on the on the UK, I think. there. Um, I was talking to a British friend, and, and he said, well, you have milk chocolate and you have dark chocolate. What do you need? Why do you need to compromise with this semi-sweet? So... <laughs> Andrea has been very kind to be sending me some semi-sweet chips, but um, yeah, it it does make you more of a creative um, baker and cook too when you oh have to yeah. Be, so when I was living in Germany, um, we get very creative. We we get these. I had a few American friends, and we would get these cravings for chocolate chip cookies and brownies. Those were the two things. And um, you know, we would go buy these really good chocolate bars once we'd use up our bag of chocolate chips and uh, we'd go get these chocolate bars and we'd cut them up and then we would make them and they would never quite turn out right because the sugar crystals were a little bit too big or we couldn't get real brown sugar and find molasses to make it, you know, and, and it was always really fun, but it was never quite the same. It was so, its own, its own category um, of, of dessert. Yeah, yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And chocolate chips are something I, I still, if I, if I'm spending very much time abroad, that's something I definitely will bring with me. It's funny because they're fairly heavy. I know um, Andrea has been a saint about her shipping costs to me. So, <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, something that you said um, too, Kate, jogged my memory. You said you are able to make a variety of of things if you can't find them. And one thing I loved on your site was Lyle's Golden Syrup because I have become such a huge fan and such a huge baker with Lyle's golden syrup here. So I am really excited to tackle to tackle a homemade version of that. Oh, it's and it's actually pretty easy. I still have some up in my cupboard. I'm I want to eat it, but yeah. then, you know, I just love having it. But it's so easy I can make it again. And you know, I actually went out to World Market and bought some and it was expensive. It was like five or six dollars for a really small okay. bottle. And if you want to make um, a recipe like treacle tart, I mean that takes up a huge amount of the syrup. So I bought some because I wasn't sure exactly what it was supposed to taste like. And, um, and the stuff I made at home tasted just like what mm. I bought, if not even mm, better. So, yeah. yeah super I easy. love the taste. I'm really using it in place of maple syrup here, which is like surprisingly harder to find. You would think because Canada has such a connection with, with England that that would be a, a strong import for them. But it's somehow not, not the same. So... Um, yeah, at any rate, I'm yeah. really loving Lyle. So really excited to tackle your your homemade version of that too. Um, okay, Kate, now some kind of more rapid fire questions for you. What can you, can you, I know this is like, you know, choosing your, your favorite child, but can you pick a favorite country to visit based on desserts alone? <laughs> 
Oh, you know, that's tough. But my first um, answer, I, I, it would have to be Germany because Germany has so many types of desserts and they have everything, cakes, cookies, pies, but everything. And for me, it's also so much nostalgia because of the time I lived there. And, um, and I've tried a lot of their desserts and I have so many memories of um, eating different types of cake with people and the, the um, Christmas cookies that my host mom would make. And so, yeah, I, I would say Germany. Yeah, food is so intrinsically tied up with, with nostalgia and that makes it taste all the better. So absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so Kate, you had said you were in Germany about five months ago. Where are you headed to next? Any plans? Yeah, actually, I'm going to be back in Europe in the spring. I'm going to a conference in the Netherlands, and then um, I don't have the trip planned out quite yet, but I know I'm going to stay longer to do some dessert research somewhere in Europe. I mean, the best job description ever, right? (laughs) I'm off doing my dessert research. Fantastic. (laughs) Yes. Okay, so final question, Kate. If you could only have one dessert for the rest of your life, what would it be? Oh, that's so hard. Um, I I think I would say cheesecake right. because there are so many different kinds. I mean, you can you can do so many different things with cheesecake, and fruit, chocolate, you know, all the different um, variations, and you find it in so many different countries. So you can get um, different kinds of cheesecake. So I think that would satisfy my need for variety. That's an excellent answer. I, when we were in Germany recently, I had a cheesecake that I, unlike any I'd had before, it, it really was that kind of classic, uh, you know, cheesecake, uh, I guess just like a vanilla, but the middle, the entire middle was a very, very thick layer of poppy seed. And I'm used to poppy seed in more kind of dainty portions, you know, like sprinkled in a a bread or in a muffin. And this was just an entire like one inch layer throughout. It was really intriguing. And uh, so, yes, I think you're absolutely right. You can go so many, so many ways with the cheesecake. Um, Here in the UK, I'm having a little hard time because the, the cream cheese is softer. It's not a block style cream cheese. So I'm having to adapt or use specifically UK recipes for when I get my cheesecake cravings. But absolutely. Yeah. Well, and in Germany, they use quark and in, in their German cheese. Okay. Well, maybe that's, which what is, this, um, maybe that's what this was then. It almost seemed a little, what's the word? You know how, how uh, if you think of like a New York style cheesecake, it's so very dense. This wasn't what I would call dense. It was almost lighter, you know? So maybe that's what was going on yeah. there. Interesting. Yeah, I bet it had quark in it and also the poppy seeds that's, also, that's very popular to put in different kinds of desserts. Um, in Germany, they actually have like a poppy seed um, cake, which is very dense with uh, lots and lots and lots of poppy seeds. So, yeah. But uh, yeah, I bet if it was kind of light and creamy and it had a and it did not have a graham cracker crust, then I bet it was made with quark. And, and, and just um, I have actually I have two different cheesecake recipes that are made with quark on my and site. And is that Kate? Is that a, a, a fermented? A, tell tell our listeners what what quark exactly is if they're not familiar. Yeah, so quark is it's actually an unaged cheese and it's very easy to make. Um, it you know it's like the consistency of really like thick Greek yogurt, even thicker than the Greek yogurt that you get, but it's not sour. And I always thought it was yogurt because we would eat quark, either plain or unsweetened, but we would eat it as we ate yogurt. So for years, I thought it was just yogurt, a type of yogurt, but it's actually a soft, unaged cheese. And it's really healthy. It has a lot of protein in it. 
and it's you know it doesn't have that sour yogurt taste so it's it's delicious that sounds wonderful i love finding all of these new dairy and especially dairy ingredients as i'm going through my my Mm -hmm. grocery stores here so well kate it has been such a pleasure to chat with you about traveling and baking two of my very favorite things i know from our listeners it's such favorites of theirs also so we thank you so much and everybody Go and check out the internationaldessertsblog.com. You can see all of Kate's beautiful, beautiful photography, her luscious desserts, and all of her travels. You can keep up with her all around the world. And Kate, you're also on Pinterest. Are you on any other social media we should give a shout out to here? Yes, I am on Pinterest, and I'm also on Facebook. And on Facebook, um, just search for My Dessert Cookbook, and you'll find the Facebook That sounds great. Well, happy travels and happy baking. Thanks so much, Kate. Thank you. Oh my gosh, Stefan, I wish I was living Kate Brubaker's life. I know. You know, the most fascinating thing she said to me during that interview was um, at the end when she, I said, what's, you know, where, where's some travel? What's going on? And she said, I have to do some dessert research in Europe. And I thought, yes. (gasps) (laughs) Yes. Yes, you must. Yes, I must do some dessert research in Europe. I just loved that. So I love her blog. Um, Her tagline on her blog, which again is um, internationaldessertsblog.com, her tagline is recipes with a sprinkle of travel. So it's just so charming if you love traveling, if you Mm -hmm. love desserts. That's, of course, two things that Andrea and I do. Um, You'll love this blog. And um, you know, one one of her recent blog entries um, that I don't think I mentioned in the interview, she has an, a tour of Iceland written almost entirely through the candy bars she ate when she was there. I mean, this is our kind of gal or what? <laughs> this is my new best friend. I she know, speaks I my know. language. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and then, you know, another thing, Andrea, is she has that recipe for homemade Lyle's golden syrup, which I know you're a big fan of yes. now. So yeah. um, you can also visit her blog. For, for homemade versions of what she's kind of found on the road. So um, we encourage mm-hmm. you to take a look at, at her at her blog and follow along with her, um, internationaldessertsblog.com. And again, thanks to Kate for coming on and, you know what, being my first interview too. So that was pretty exciting. Yeah, I thought it was great. And, you know, it reminded me of something we have a listener doing right now. My gosh, I hope she doesn't mind if I call her out. But um, I saw that one of our listeners, Anne, who was an interview um, way back in the beginning of the show, I think on episode six, and she um, took a trip to Portugal. And I just love that, you know, right as she was planning the trip, you know, she immediately looked up what is, you know, the national dessert of Portugal and, you know, had figured out, okay, well, I've got to try this obviously and I think one night she couldn't get out to dinner and all she had was you know her little custard cakes which are this national dessert oh. of Portugal and you know shows she was posting on Facebook like well I guess this is going to be my dinner tonight yeah. and I thought now you know again this is how I like to travel yeah <laughs> I know absolutely and it's such a great way to learn about people and culture and all of that so yeah that was really fun to chat with her we had a good time Well, the timer's buzzed, and we've got to get to the dishes. Next week, we're kicking off our December shows with a month of bonbons and bars. Remember, you can find us and our featured recipes on our website, preheatedpodcast.com, on Facebook and Pinterest, or download us on Google and Apple Podcast, where we'd love it if you subscribed to the show and gave us a five-star review, both of which will help others find us. Until next time, thanks for listening and sweet dreams. Thank you.
Preheated is written, performed, and edited by Andrea Ballard and Stephen Cohn in association with 24th Floor Productions.